Welcome to happy hour. Woo! <laughs> what a powerful name it is. I, man, that's such a powerful line because the name of Jesus invokes a lot of responses. You hear him cursed. You hear it just as uh, exclamation. Um, you, you hear it all over the time. Sometimes people don't want to hear the name. And other times we can gather together and worship this one name. Now, this series, it was really interesting. It's been on my heart for a while because we actually read a book called Happy Hour um, when we first started this crazy idea of church planting. It was uh, the, the Etiquette on Holy Merriment. And it, this is kind of where I'm uh, springboarding from with Hugh Halter's Happy Hour. But what was interesting was as I started putting this poster together and kind of just fleshing it out a bit more, I ran it past some people, and I actually had pushback on it. And the people I had pushback from were the ones who come from quite religious backgrounds. And they said, don't advertise like this. People are going to come, they're expecting drinks, and this belongs in a bar. And I thought, wow, if I could actually preach this message in a bar, that would be amazing. That would be a dream come true. They didn't like hearing that response, but I knew I was on the right track because I disagreed with them on some of their other religious practices. And the message, if I had have preached this in a bar, would be a little different than how it's going to be tonight because what I'm hoping this series will do is teach us how to go out and party well, how to have a happy hour, how to party with our neighbors and engage our communities with a good news life. And what I mean by the good news life as well is that the gospel is not just this thing that we read, that we agree to, and we are reminded of it when we gather together on Saturdays or Sundays, but it's it's good news that actually should shape us, should mold us, transform us into living differently. So I have up here a tic-tac-toe board, more or less. And who here is good at tic-tac-toe? Anyone? <laughs> I'm not going to make you play. It's actually not for a tic-tac-toe board. What it is, it's a map. And it's a map of your neighborhood. And what I mean by this is imagine your house is that center square. And... How many neighbors, I know I'm talking to some people who live in the country, so it might, you might have to work with me here, but uh, if your house was in the, the middle square, how many neighbors around do you actually know? Their names, what they do, a little bit about them? I'll be honest, I actually know the people somewhat in front of me, definitely on each side, and actually, no one behind us. I, I don't. Um, that's where our fence is actually pretty tight, and you can't see through the cracks. But um, we actually talked about this again on this, the beginning of our church planting adventure, about being placed in a missional posture to actually get to know our neighbors and not just because we have an agenda, but just to know them as our neighbors, to know them as people, to know them as human beings. So I just wanted to put this up to encourage us that throughout this series, think about perhaps not even just in your home life, but work life, school life, 
How many people right around you, whether diagonally to the side, front, back, how many people do you actually know and are you actually engaging with and demonstrating this good news life? So tonight's message, I have three main blocks that I want to go through. The first block is talking about um, moving into the neighborhood. The second block is talking about, hey, look, a drunk. And the third block is, holy sheep. <laughs> sheet. <laughs> so the first block, <laughs> moving into the neighborhood. Amanda and I, as soon as we kind of stumbled across this church planting th idea, we thought there's no way we actually want to pursue this if we don't live in the neighborhood. Because there's no way we thought it was possible, just with the way we're wired, that we could actually minister, connect with a community, and get to know people without actually living in the middle of it. So part of our, our story is how God provided a place for us to live. But then more than that, we also wanted to be involved in the different aspects of community living and get involved in the Christmas tree lighting. And they kept saying, what church do you belong to? And we're like, we don't have a name. And the Remembrance Day service. And they said, so we, we need to make this official and you need to give us a church name. And I'm like, but we don't have one. This is the idea of moving into the neighborhood. And it comes from John Chapter 1, verse 14, and it talks about Jesus coming into the world as flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. I love the way that Peterson translates this. This is from the message translation. It talks about Jesus moving into the neighborhood. He didn't just come and establish his kingdom. He didn't just come and, and the red carpet was rolled out. He moved into the neighborhood. He was one of the neighbors. He was one in that community that he was part of. And it's actually quite interesting because it's so easy to just read through scripture and move from one story to the next story with, with overlooking some of the details or not really thinking through how this might have looked when you flesh it right out. But John the Baptist, who preceded Jesus and was announcing Jesus' arrival, he actually was quite upset, too, in prison because he's kind of thinking, wait a second, I've been announcing Jesus, and what's he doing? He's, he's not establishing his kingdom just yet. He's going too slow. I, I've been proclaiming all of this, and here I am sitting in jail waiting for Jesus to establish his kingdom. And I think we get... We play a game with ourselves with this. I think we get caught up in the guilt and the pressure of constantly having to evangelize. I, I know I was talking to someone recently, and they were just saying, I haven't shared my faith enough. I, I haven't kind of told people specifically the plan of salvation and shared that gospel message. But truth be told... I haven't had that opportunity much, and, and I'm a pastor. I'm, I'm in the community. I've had some opportunities, but it takes time. And even Jesus, he didn't begin his ministry until he was 30 years old and had three years. 
Why didn't he start earlier? Was he wasting his time? Not at all. He was moving into the community. He was establishing himself. He was discerning when God's time was for him to begin his ministry. And I think I want to release you tonight if you're carrying any of that guilt, pressure, shame of, man, I'm I'm not doing enough yet. Because you know what? It's not about what you do. God is at work. God is on the move. This is a Jesus movement. And it's Jesus at work. And he's placed you where he's placed you. And our job is to recognize where he's at work and when is the right opportunity to share our faith. But you know what's more important? is how we continue to model our faith. The good news life. I just keep thinking, especially now that I'm a parent, I can tell land until I'm blue in the face to do certain things or to get something. And it's amazing that he can't find his coat that's hanging up on the hanger, but yet he can find a chocolate bar that's hidden in the back shelf of a random cupboard. But what Landon's looking at, my behavior, how am I treating people? How am I loving people? What am I doing? And it's actually scary then when they start modeling some of those things, and you're like, okay, I need to make some course corrections. But this is our journey of life. This is our spiritual journey. This is our journey of faith. And as Amanda and I wanted to move into the neighborhood, one of the things we also realized was a lot of people, especially in the summer months, we come out of hibernation and we spend time outside. And we actually went out and bought a fairly nice table and chairs to sit on our front porch. And we did it intentionally to be able to spend time out there because our kids were in bed sleeping, but to get to know our neighbors. And it's actually been probably through sitting on those chairs that we have gotten to know the names of our neighbors, that we have gotten to know their kids and some of their friends and family members as they're coming and going and visiting. And I'm, I'm not here tonight to just puff up what Amanda and I are doing, but I am just wanting to share some of these intentional moves that we've made as, as we've recently moved into the neighborhood. Because we've wanted to get involved and get to know people, but without the agenda. And I think that's what I want to keep reiterating tonight, is drop the agenda. Don't just establish a party. Don't just do things for the mere agenda of, I'm going to convert them. Drop the agenda. Because you know what? God is bigger than this. But what he's calling us to do is to love people, to get to know people. And when the opportunity is right, we'll know those moments. In fact, Amanda, she, she went over to our neighbor's house a few weeks back. And they got talking about theology. And I don't know how she does it because I feel like it's hard for me to even bring up these conversations. But she, she comes back and she's like, yeah, so our neighbor wants to borrow this book from you because he's talking about end time stuff and you've read some books on this. And so then the other day we're out gardening and we actually had a conversation about hell. Like that's not a conversation that comes up lightly or easily, but we're just talking about it. And I'm like, yeah, I read this book on it and this and that. And he's like, wow, give me that book. And I just thought like, I didn't go after him 
preaching, telling him all of these things and doctrines, the statement of faith, I just continued to try and get to know him. And God is on the move opening up these doors. Because again, I'm not knocking on his door saying, hey, want to talk about hell? I'm just trying to stay faithful and trying to stay aware of where God is on the move. And you know what? As much as we've moved into the neighborhood, I believe that God's already moved into our neighborhoods. God is on the move everywhere. But I don't know if I can be so bold as to say, especially in Binbrook. God is on the move in Binbrook. As Keith keeps saying, he was praying for one pastor to come and two pastors come. And we have two churches happening. And, and we're, we're working together well with the local churches. And God is on the move among all of it. So I found that almost every friend that's eventually discovered Jesus, found Jesus, it's first started through festivities, parties, just having fun with each other in one another's homes. You have to open the door to let people in. It's actually funny. Um, my mother-in-law, I hope she's not watching online right now. They're down in Florida. <laughs> but um, she, they're getting a ton of work done in their backyard. And it's the stone and sand and dirt's all been on the road. And I'm trying to convince them to have a party in their backyard because all of their neighbors are wanting to know what's going on in their backyard. And she keeps apologizing to them for delaying traffic and the whole bit. So I'm like, have a party. Invite them over. Get to, and it, she kind of said, our neighbors don't really do that. Like, we're not kind of that neighborhood. Like, we kind of stay in our front yards. But that's where I'm like, model it. Let us set the example to actually open our doors, open our backyards, and say, come on over. Because I'm, I'm jumping ahead here, but part of the point of partying, the why behind partying, the goal of partying, is actually so that people will want to have another party. That, that's the goal. The art of throwing a great party is that people want to come back to another one. And it's as you continue to journey through life, as you continue to throw these parties, that you have these moments where God breaks through and you're like, I think God is opening up an opportunity here for me to share, for me to share hope, for me to share how I got through some of the darkest days of my life or how I got through a friend's death or a parent's or spouse's or the loss of a child. Those things come up by spending time with people. They don't just come up because that's our agenda. And if that is your agenda, you're going to throw a lame party. <laughs> you're going to depress people right out. It has to come up naturally. Spend time with one another. So let's move on to the next block, which is look, a drunk. And where I'm going with this one is again, we often forget, this is what Jesus was accused of. This is what Jesus is being called as he's eating and drinking with tax collectors and sinners. The, the religious leaders are saying, look, a drunk. In Luke chapter 7, the Son of Man came eating and drinking, and you say, look, a glutton and a drunk, a friend of 
tax collectors and sinners. They first called John the Baptist, who didn't eat or, or who, who didn't drink. They called him demon-possessed. And now they're saying, oh, wait, now it's the Son of Man coming, and he's a drunk. I think we have to be willing to put our reputations on the line to reach those in the margins. I know I often joke that my parents don't know how I'm a pastor and love Jesus with some of the decisions that I make, which they've raised me not to make. But where I've come to see things in my world from my perspective, and we're looking at the same coin just from two different perspectives, is that I can have such a better ministry by being willing to put my reputation, perhaps with my family on the line, but actually get to have these conversations with people I otherwise would have considered an outcast, would have tried to keep my distance from. Just the other day, I was out doing some errands, and I, I, I ended up stopping at one place where there were two guys hanging out, and they, they opened up the cooler and said, hey, want a beer? And my first instinct was, it's the middle of the day, I'm doing errands as a pastor, I got to keep going. And I was going to say, no, like, I don't want to interrupt, I'm just dropping this off. Well, I fought that as hard as I could, and I said, you know what, it sounds good. And I sat down, and the one guy knew who I was. The other guy had no idea. And we just started uh, chatting, shooting the bull. And this one guy started telling me story after story of drunk driving accidents that he's had, showing me pictures of them. And I seriously have no idea how this person is living, and he admitted to that himself. But then he started saying, you know what, I just thank God that no one has been killed. I just thank God that it's only been myself. You know what? And without knowing who I was or anything, he says, I think that there's someone up there that has me here for a reason. I think there's a greater purpose for me. And I'm sitting here thinking, absolutely, and I'm wanting to jump out of my skin and be like, yes. But I'm just like, okay, cool. Like, what do you think that is? And you might not agree with the way I handled things. I didn't give the gospel message or pull out a track and say, okay, here's the road to salvation. But I listened to him. And this guy is wanting to change his lifestyle. This guy is wanting to make better decisions. And whether he is or not, I truly believe that his heart was completely sincere. And he's saying, I want to do better. This is all I know. And I think there's a greater purpose. And I'm thinking, absolutely. And the reason that I actually chose not to say, well, I'm a pastor. You're talking to the right person. Is because the goal of partying is to have another party. So the reason I decided to keep that side of me secret from him is because I want to hang out with this guy again. Because I know that there's a reason that I met this guy. I know there's a reason that I fought the urge and I sat down and had a drink. And we just talked. And he let me in to this part of his life that I know comes with pain, comes with suffering. But that he's starting to recognize 
there's something at work here. God is on the move. God is moving into the neighborhood. And he's just asking us to pay attention, to participate. My parents, they know that I, I drink, and they're dead set against it, and they wish that I didn't. Um, that's a whole nother talk we can get into, but um, it's not about what we eat or drink. It's about Jesus Christ. It's about who's in control of our lives. And if we're abusing substances, if we're abusing alcohol, if we're abusing things and giving them control of our life, that is wrong. But if we're allowing Jesus to be in control, be willing to put yourself on the line to reach the marginalized. Now, let me just put one other word of caution because it's popping into my head. If you don't drink, don't go out drinking. I'm not encouraging that this is the new mode of uh, being a missionary. Like, you know what? Let's, let's do this. No. Everyone has their own convictions. And you know what? When we actually first started doing communion weekly, before we came into the church building, we had wine. We would pass around a glass of wine and we'd dip the bread. And as we started wrestling through our vision, our values of who we wanted to be, our posture was that we want to be a church for everybody. We want to be a church that's inclusive of everyone who's willing to come to the table. And that meant, let's get rid of the wine. Because if there's someone sitting here that can't participate at the table of Jesus, because if that taste of alcohol touches their lips after they've been clean for 20 years, it would ruin them, let's get rid of it. We want this to be a place where everyone can come to the table. That's the message of Jesus. So while the religious leaders are looking at Jesus attending these parties and saying, this guy's a glutton and a drunk, how could he be the son of God? Jesus is bursting open the doors and inviting everyone to the table. And this is where we get to the holy sheet moment. It's because this is Peter, okay? Holy sheet, it, it just it resonates. It makes sense to me because this was blowing Peter's mind open. Just like when I first started saying this more often, it, it, there's an uncomfortability to it because it's like, yeah, it's, it resonates, but like we're in church and, and should this really be your point since you're a pastor? But yes, because what's happening is Peter goes out on the balcony and he has this vision. And Peter's a good religious Jew and he hasn't eaten his specific meats and he stays away from certain things. And this sheet drops down from the sky with all of these animals that he hasn't been allowed to eat. And God's telling him, go kill and eat. And he's thinking, no, no, no. He, he, he's actually resisting it and he's fighting against doing this. And he's saying, God, I can't do this. Because I'm a good Jew. So he's actually resisting God in the name of God, which I find very funny. But he's having this moment where his world is being blown open. 
that he's saying, wait, this, I've been religious. I've been faithful. I've been everything a good Jew was supposed to have been. What are you doing? And this is where the Jesus movement comes in. Because in Acts chapter 10, for Peter's holy sheet moment, after he has this vision and he meets these men, he's saying, it's God's own truth. Nothing could be plainer. God plays no favorites. It makes no difference who you are or where you're from. If you want God and are ready to do as he says, the door is open. The message he sent to the children of Israel, that through Jesus Christ, everything is being put together again. While he's doing it everywhere among everyone. This is Peter's moment of realizing Jesus is on the move. It's, it's no longer about the tabernacle. It's no longer about what he didn't eat or did eat or didn't drink or did drink. He's realizing that this movement that Jesus is usher, ushering in is, is so much bigger than he ever could have imagined. But you see, division wants to kill us. Division wants to, uh, diversity wants to divide us. And I read this great article recently by a pastor down in Hamilton by the name of Kevin Makins. And he talks about how with the Reformation back 500 years ago, we actually allowed another sin to creep in. And it kind of came in disguised. But as, as the Protestant movement started picking up, we started saying, okay, well, we're going to separate ourselves over here because we disagree with some things. And there was a lot of truth to that. But then what happened is we kept dividing. He kind of talks about how the sin of division kind of crept in because then all of a sudden we don't like the worship style. Well, let's divide. We don't like the way that they have their eldership. Let's divide. We don't like the way whatever the issue is, and we keep dividing. And he talks with his church about how we can come to an agreement on the essentials. He calls it the one, two, three theology. So their number ones are the ones that we will not change this. This Jesus lived, Jesus died, Jesus rose again. It's the son of God. Those are number ones. But then how, as we move out, how we can make space for diversity, how we can make space for disagreements. He even shares a story of one church that he was sitting on the elder board and Afterwards, this man from the meeting pulled him aside and said, I'm very, like, I have a strong conviction that women shouldn't be elders. And Kevin's sitting there, and there was a whole bunch of women who were elders. And he's like, what? If, if you have this strong conviction, why are you on an elders board with women? And he said, for the peace and unity in the church. He said, I feel called by God that I should be an elder, and I believe that they do too. And even though I disagree with it, I'm going to sit alongside my brothers and sisters because of keeping the peace and the unity within the church and realizing that this might be a number two issue for him, but it wasn't a number one issue. And I think this is where this moment for Peter starts coming in because he starts realizing 
This Jesus movement is starting to spread to the Gentiles. It's, it's going everywhere. As it says here, he's doing it everywhere, among everyone. It's open to all people. And this isn't the only issue about eating. I'll throw in another point just for fun. I wasn't sure if I was going to, but I don't have a slide for it. But it's called, he wants to do what to our what's? <laughs> And what I'm talking about is circumcision. Because for the good Jews, they were circumcised. So as Gentile believers start coming in and they start saying, hey, I want to be part of this Jesus movement. Well, then they're sharpening the knives and getting ready, saying, awesome. I don't know. I'd think twice about this movement. And that's where Peter, the Jewish council, and the church leaders had to come together and and talk about this. What's Jesus up to? Where's Jesus on the move? And thankfully, they realize that, you know what? We're going to let this issue sit, and we're going to allow Gentile believers to fully participate in what's going on here without having to have that done. What I love is that we have a model right from the beginning that things change. This... This Jesus movement is constantly changing and breaking down our paradigms and making us think twice about the way we've always done it. And how are we making space for this? We need to move towards the margins. So what makes a great party? I asked this at the Business Network this last week. There was a... um, party planner there, an event planner, and I said, what, what are the essentials? And she said, the two essentials are food and drink. She said, it doesn't have to be alcoholic. She said, but you have to have great food, and you have to have drinks that pair nicely with it. I thought that was so wise, but so interesting, too, that Those were the only two things she could think of because, again, this is when we come together, we participate in the Lord's table. When we throw a party, let's make sure we have good food and drink. And then next, I believe that another key element to the art of throwing a great party is acceptance. Accepting people where they're at. It isn't about changing people's minds. It isn't about changing people's core convictions. About getting to know them, caring for them. So drop the agenda. It's not just about outreach to lost friends. So we need to stretch ourselves beyond church attendance, beyond Bible studies, beyond all the the things we might be used to. And we need to learn how to be great human beings like Jesus was. And as I said, the goal is to have another party. The goal is that people will want to come back. And it's getting cooking, so I'll I'll wrap up. (laughs) I have a whole series to work through, so I feel like a fire hydrant right now. (laughs) But the lawyer asks Jesus, what was the greatest commandment? Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart soul, mind, strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. 
I watched a part of the Reclaiming Jesus vigil down in Washington this past week. And Bishop Curry, the guy who led the royal wedding, he was there. And in three minutes, he had me with goosebumps all over and just inspired. Because he said, go love the neighbor that you like. Go love the neighbor that you don't like. Go love your liberal neighbor. Go love your conservative neighbor. Go love every neighbor in between. Go love your straight neighbor. Go love your LGBTQ neighbor. Go love your neighbor. That's the greatest commandment. And it's based on our love of God. Romans 5.8, while we were still sinners, while we're still dead to sin, Christ died for us. So, oh man, I, I'm wanting to just keep going. I, the, Jesus is on the move. Christ died for us while we were still sinners. So whether you're sitting here tonight or watching online or wherever you're at and you're thinking, well, that's nice, but it's not for me. Well, that's your choice. It's okay. Because that doesn't neglect or negate the fact that Jesus is still on the move. He's at move in this guy's life who's, who's wondering about things. He's on, move, on the move in our communities. He's on the move even if we reject him or accept him. There were times in my life where I just decided I don't want anything to do with God. It's a load of, I need to, I guess, rein it in a bit. It's, <laughs> but God was still on the move. What binds us together is Jesus of Nazareth, his life, his teaching, his way. And I pray that as we gather here, that we continue to discern how we can then go out into our communities and party well and model that example. This series is about how we believe. It's engaging the world with a good news life. In Jesus, we have an example, a mandate, an opportunity, a calling, and a permission slip to stop being religious, to go enjoy life and live like a missionary. And let me just transition right into the Lord's table. That as we invite our friends to our table, we do it because God loved us so much and invites us to his table. Everyone's welcome to participate. We can choose to, we can choose not to, but it doesn't negate the fact that Jesus loves you, that Jesus is calling you, that Jesus is inviting you to participate in the best life Ever. Doesn't mean it's easy, doesn't mean it's simple, but man, is it awesome. So while we participate in the Lord's table and the Lord's Supper, uh, we have the juice cups here, we have gluten free wafers and bread. Uh, feel free to come up, grab it, take it back to your seat. And there's going to be a song playing, and the words are going to be on the screen as well. And it's called Reckless Love. And I, it's a new song, and I just want you to 
take it in. Listen to the words. If you want to sing along, if you know it, feel free to. But guys, God is on the move. And I'm excited to be part of this here as the well. And I'm excited to be part of the larger community and the kingdom of God. Um, Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us while we're still sinners, while we're still dead. You died for us. God, we remember your life. We remember your sacrifice. And God, we do this to participate in the movement of your kingdom. In your name we pray. Amen.